Welcome to the Knockout Hour here on 1450 WXVW. I am Kelly Patrick, joined by my man Gary Thomas Jr. of BluegrassMMA.com. How you doing this morning, Gary? Was that James Brown? That is Stevie Wonder. You're fired, man. You're so inconsistent. What? You, hey, made, I, you, made, you made the statement. I did. You go James Brown, and you go Stevie Wonder. Listen, I'm cool with that. You just, but you just gotta. I mean, you you gotta keep your word, Kelly Patrick. Come on now. I'll try. I guess would it be called Motown? Motown. We have a Motown theme going forward. If I'm doing James Brown and and Stevie Wonder, I don't know. Uh, it's that genre. I don't know if was uh, was James Brown actually Motown. He, I don't think he's from Detroit, is he? He's not. So I I I, I don't know, but. <laughs> Off the rails already. We're two minutes into the show. Coming off a big UFC event last night, UFC 179, I got to catch the main event. Hell of a fight. Gary, what do you think of UFC 179? I love it when I get proven wrong, right? It was, uh, I was very uninterested in, in UFC 179. There was nothing there that I, you know, I didn't, the main event was a fight that we've already seen. Uh, granted, Chad Mendez has lost change since then for him, but he's always been, you know, kind of top of the heap. But a lot of times when you get a big event in Brazil, it's really catered toward the Brazilians, and, and this card was as well. Um, but, yeah, man, that main event, you know, people always said, Jose Aldo is like unstoppable, and, and even though he won, I think uh, Chad Mendez exposed some things. But did you happen to see the uh, question and answer session in Brazil with Conor McGregor? I did not. I, I was thinking oh, his name. God. His name has to be very relevant within the outcome of this fight. His name came out of the loser and the winner's mouth after the fight last night. Selling tickets. That's what it's all about. I love it. I like that. So, we got to take a break? Yeah, I think we got to head to our first break. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll cover local MMA as well as UFC 179, which was in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, last night. So, be sure to stay tuned to the Knockout Hour. Back to the knockout hour. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside my man Gary Thomas of BluegrassMMA.com. Coming at you as we do every Sunday from 9 till 10, strategically the morning after the big fights. Whether it be UFC or a big boxing event or any of the great local action you get to see here within the state of Kentucky. We will be here every Sunday. That is our commitment to you. We're a growing show. We've been on the air now for... A little over a year, and we're doing a great service to all of our 1450 WXVW WXVW listeners out there. Gary, tell our our listeners, before we jump into the UFC 179 review, tell our listeners how they can follow us on social media, how they can be engaged with the show. Absolutely. For all the new likes we've got, thank you on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash the knockout hour. And on Twitter, it's the same thing. It's uh, at the Knockout Hour. So yeah, come get involved, get engaged. We're trying to do better. I'm trying to teach Kelly Patrick how to use social media. 
I'm I'm learning my best. You can't seem to get off Pinterest. It's 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 weird. When you're addicted to couponing and shopping and baking, like I am, it's tough to move past the one that provides so much value to you in Pinterest. No, my wife's big into Pinterest. I've never gotten onto Pinterest. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Snapchat is one that I've been utilizing a lot lately. Facebook. I think that's the extent of my social media. I don't even have an Instagram, Gary. It's 2014, man. You gotta get your social media game up. What do I need to do? Get on Instagram? Is that is that the next step? I enjoy Instagram. I enjoy uh, pictures. You probably have it set up. You and Juan have it set up, probably, where you share pictures on there. It automatically goes to Facebook, stuff like that, right? No. I mean, uh, Instagram, you kind of wanted to keep it. The platforms are all great, and they all serve their purpose individually. So we try not to try to cross them sometimes. Sometimes I'll post a video on Instagram, and for some reason it posts to my Facebook. But, Good but what, if Snap, what if Snapchat did that? Just, you know, even, it, though it, it, even though it erases, it, it, it just posts to your Facebook first. It would be bad because that's the <laughs> allure of Snapchat, right? I don't know. For all you listeners out there, um, a moment of, of personal interest here. Kelly Patrick, he's a good dad. A lot of his Snapchats, while many people use it for dastardly deeds and uh, relationship conjuring, he uses it with his kids. I do. It's cool. My mom's on there. My wife's on there. My brother, my brother's wife. Wait, wait, wait. Your mom's on Snapchat? She is. She's. If you look at my top friends on my Snapchat right now, I'm looking at it right now. She is my number three best friend behind my wife, who's number one. Gary Thomas, who's number two. And then you got my mom. So, pretty cool. It is. When my mom's watching the kids, she took the kids to a pumpkin patch all day yesterday. Kept them overnight. Friday night. And I got to see some pretty cool videos she sent to me. And Snapchat's pretty cool. I'm, I'm... I'm getting all aboard the Snapchat train these days, Gary, if you haven't noticed. I've, I've noticed. Great I've stuff. Noticed. Great stuff. Gary Thomas, Juan Valley Jr., run the website, bluegrassmma.com. They cover MMA here in the state of Kentucky and surrounding areas. I know we touched on UFC 179, which had a couple big names in it, possibly the glamour division of the of – the, uh, the featherweight division, which could be called the glamour division these days in oh, MMA, yeah. in the world of MMA. So we had Jose Aldo against Chad Mendez. What I thought was a great main event. Good uh, fight. Good fight. Is that the glam? Is that the, the the equivalent of boxing's welterweight, 147 pound division? Is that's where is that where it's at in UFC and MMA? Well, I guess that it'd be the same because those are the 145 pounders. Uh... I don't think so. I honestly don't think so. I, you know, uh, I'll be interested to see what the buy rate was last night. I don't think it's going to be super high. They don't move the needle like, say, the the welterweights are going to do when when Robbie Lawler and Johnny Hendricks fight again. Probably not going to do the numbers that John Jones does, and definitely not going to do the numbers that uh, that I think the heavyweights are going to do. But uh, with that being said. Conor McGregor has has electrified. Listen, it it was uncomfortable to watch. They sent him down to Brazil to do media before this event. Now, Conor McGregor's very brash. He's very confident, and he brought that to Brazil, which is not the best place to bring that to. What do you the mean? Cra- like fear for your safety? He had he he was in an armored vehicle the whole time he was there. He had a bodyguard with him. Um, when he when he he they do a, a UFC Fight Club, which is basically like a VIP type service, right? You pay for these certain benefits, and you get like a question and answer session. So everybody that's it's the media and your UFC uh, Fight Club members get a special question and answer session before each and every uh, pay-per-view. Well, they got Conor McGregor as their <laughs> question and answer. Uh, first of all, they, they chanted, you will die. You will die? 
Yeah, oh, that's that's like the mainstay in Brazil. If you're in Brazil and you're fighting a Brazilian, they chant, you will die. Um, and so, uh, and each and every person that took to the microphone either threatened, berated, uh, like I can't even, I don't think it, it's possible for me to say some of the things on air that they said to him, but he was full heel mode. Uh, he says, you, you guys love me. You just don't know it yet, which it, this, here's the setup. He's going to fight in January, I believe, January or February against Dennis Seaver in Boston, which is going to be huge. The The fight is going to be Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo in a 55,000-seat arena in Dublin, Ireland next June. Next June. Will, he, will they both fight between now and then? Uh, McGregor will, although probably not. So he's going from October to June. Okay. Well, when you're you're one of the top fighters in the sport, you can do that. You build up anticipation for the big fights. And okay, so so who who, who are we going to see McGregor face off against between now and June in Ireland? Well, he's not uh, he's not got a uh, an easy path. He's got Dennis Seaver. Who is coming off a suspension for uh, some, you know, some illegal substances? Who, but, who, you know, is, who is it? Uh, yeah, that's the it's the norm now. But you know, Seaver's a tough guy. Uh, you know, and they may fight at 155 pounds. I'm not sure. Is that I, I, something Connor's been interested in? And oh, Seaver's, okay. Seaver's one of those guys that that go back and forth as well. He's a little German ball of muscle. But and it, you know it's it's one of those fights that's probably pretty risky for Connor, but you know he made his American debut in Boston, and now he's going to come back to Boston and main event it. And uh, it's just it the it's crazy the amount of attention that he's got, and uh, he <laughs> he had a uh, he was on I think it was uh, BT Sports or whatever it is over in England. They're doing a, an interview with him. And they're, but they're, they're, he was there. I'm sorry, he was there in the audience, and they were doing an interview with Chad Mendez, and him and Chad started going back and forth. Who uh, McGregor? Yes. Okay. And uh, it, it it turned out there was uh, some teabagging that was that was mentioned. It was uh, <laughs> teabagging. Or I mean, live on air. I mean, uh, Chad Mendez. This <laughs> he said. Uh, you know, I guess if they can say it on TV, we can say it here. Chad Mendez says to Conor McGregor, you know, you've never fought somebody like me. You've never fought a high-level wrestler. Let, let me rewind. Conor was was saying that uh, Mendez was five foot four. <laughs> he isn't the biggest guy. I noticed that ref was towering over him last night. Well, I mean, Conor's like five foot nine. Mendez is five foot seven. Okay. But uh, but Conor's, you know, trying to get under his skin, saying, you know, you're five four tops. I've seen you. This and that. And he says, what, what are you going to do when you have to face a strong wrestler like me? And he said, you mean rest my nuts on your chin? <laughs> and it was like, I'm like, oh, my God. And But Chad Mendez smiled. I mean, how can you not, like, how can you not like the guy? Um, it's so weird. It's like almost, I'm not saying it's like a Floyd Mayweather-esque persona. Who, for, it's bigger than that. For, for, for McGregor? Yeah, I mean, he. Like everybody legitimately hates him, but but loves to hear him talk. You know, it's like wow. You know, he's he's so it's crazy. That sounds more like Adrian Bronner, who against the Pauli Malignaggi fight was, was was humping him in the ring, right? I mean, when when did that happen? Where that's part of trash talk is you're you're making sexual references to each other. When when, when did I miss that train? <laughs> I don't I don't know, uh, but. Just the way that just the way that he talks, and you know, if you've not go check out some of his interviews oh, on YouTube, it's 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 hilarious. I mean, he is so, and he, I honestly think he believes everything he says, which is good for him. No question about it. You say the guy that McGregor is fighting next. I'm looking for his name in the in the power rankings. I don't. Oh, see it's not it. there. It's yeah. Not. So so that has to be. T- Perceived as a tune-up fight for McGregor, right? 
Uh, hold on a second. I'll tell you. I think Seavers probably he's in he's the top he's in the top ten of what division? Of, uh, 145 pounds. Just lightweight. So featherweight. Okay, featherweight. Yeah, I don't see it according not according to ESPN, but that's okay. Well, ESPN's not. You gotta go to the official UFC rankings. Okay. But uh, but you know he's and he's had some big wins, but he's also. He's one of those guys that wins when he's supposed to and loses when he's supposed to. So, but he's always in it. You know, he's he's never, never out of a fight. But I don't know how we got off the rails because UFC one seventy nine. I wasn't expecting you know a lot out of it. You when I asked you last week about what we have to look wasn't forward, excited. You, it really wasn't on excited. your your radar too much at all. No, I thought Aldo would would finish Mendez pretty quick. He didn't. Uh, and Mendez actually looked good at some points. I don't think there was any controversy in the unanimous decision win. No. But but Mendez definitely exposed some weaknesses in Aldo. You know, he had that big double leg takedown, just dropped him. Uh, and, and Aldo, you know, is not a guy that's used to being taken down or anything like that. So uh, Phil Davis pulled off, of, I mean, it was kind of a boring fight, but that's what he had to do to stay away from the power of Glover Teixeira. And, you know, Phil bouncing back off of a, a huge loss to, to Anthony Rumble Johnson, who's suspended right now. But, you know, hats off to Phil Davis. Uh, Darren Elkins from just up the road in Indiana beat uh, Lucas Martins by split decision, which was so weird. Sometimes, like, I judged last night. A judge didn't show up. I ended up judging. Where at? In uh, Corbin. So, so, like, as a judge, sometimes I think you can actually get the fighters confused. Like, if they're not wearing their corners tape on their gloves, it's easy to, like, forget who's who, especially if you don't know them. Uh, in the Darren Elkins fight, it was a split decision. He took two judges' cards, 30 to 27, which means he won all three rounds, in two judges' eyes. In another judge's eyes, he lost all three rounds. What? So I'm like, what? I just think they don't know what they're watching. Wow. And then uh, on the undercard, one of the guys who has probably the best, one of the best nicknames, uh, bounced back, got a win, Andre Touchy Feely. Touchy Feely? Yeah. What? I wonder what the origination of that is. Well, his name's Feely. Oh, okay. Touchy Feely. Okay. So yes, uh, it was good. So uh, overall, I, I from my perspective, which is much more of an outsider's view, Gary, successful UFC 179 in Rio de Janeiro. I mean, we had all the under undertones of of Conor McGregor in the the Chad Mendez Jose Aldo fight. I mean, Mendez has only lost now twice in his career, both to Aldo. So those are clearly, I I obviously they seem to be to me the number one and number two fighters in. The division and Conor McGregor is coming, just really taking the UFC by storm. And he was there; he was present in Brazil. And I think 179, from my perspective, was a success. Yeah, for sure. You know, and we talked about UFC 180 and what a difference a week makes. 179 is going to outshine 180 just because the the sheer fact injuries have already decimated that card. Nothing happened to the Cain Velasquez fight, did it? Cain Velasquez is out. He's out. He has. I didn't even see that. Jeez. Yeah, he's out. That's horrible. Then I have zero interest in UFC 180. Well, I mean, it. Here's the thing. You've got Mark Hunt, who's stepping in on three weeks' notice for the interim heavyweight title. Mark Hunt's a guy. That's true. He he knocks people out, and he he provides fight of the year candidates. Right. I mean, he's that guy in his sleep. Right. He just knocked out Roy Nelson. Never been done. Uh, you know, he fought Bigfoot Silva and, and what's arguably, you know, there's there's chit-chat. And, of course, it's still fresh, so that's why people are going to talk about Aldo Mendez as a, as a fight of the year candidate. I don't see it being as that great. It was a great fight, don't get me wrong. But uh, you've got that. Uh, Diego Sanchez was originally supposed to fight Norman Park. Norman Park got injured. They replaced him with Joe Lozon. Joe got injured. And now Diego Sanchez is injured. So that fight's off the card. It's going to be weird, you know. It's uh, 
it's hard for Cain Velasquez to keep that momentum and keep in the spotlight when he's out for big chunks of time with injury. You know what I mean? It's hard like to build a superstar when he only fights once every Couple. 18 months. Yeah. It's kind of like Andre Ward in boxing. You almost feel they should be maybe removed from the rankings because they're just horribly inactive. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate, you know. He's of course he had a knee injury going into his fight with Junior Dos Santos, which he lost. Um, and then he came back and he he uh, beat Bigfoot Silva, and then he beat uh, JDS twice. You know, so we've really not seen him face any, other than Junior Dos Santos. You got to go back a couple years to, to to remember the Bigfoot fight, which was a bloody mess. And then go back three years to when he made the the debut on Fox. You know, it's it's hard for people to keep Kane in in the in their minds. You know, it, it's very unfortunate. He's he seems to be very injury prone. This is his second knee injury he sustained. He's had shoulder problems. Uh, I don't I don't know what what it is. I don't know if it's his training or how he goes about things. But it's it's unfortunate, man, because Cain Velasquez is, is awesome to watch. He's that. He's not. He doesn't weigh two hundred sixty-five pounds. You know, he's that middle of the road heavyweight, which is probably like the perfect frame. You know, two thirty-five, two forty-five, something like that. But he just can't seem to stay healthy. That brings to mind for me, Gary, a question: Is that Mark Hunt, Bigfoot Silva fight from December of last year? Where does that rank on the greatest fights of all time? In the heavyweight division, it ranks number one. No doubt. No doubt? Uh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, they're like JDS and Kane, they're fight. You had Junior Dos Santos knock out Kane Velasquez in like 65 seconds. So that's not a great fight. And then the other two fights was basically nine rounds of Kane Velasquez beating the crap out of Junior Dos Santos. They weren't but necessarily great fights. They weren't great fights at all. They were very one sided. Uh, and then you, you probably got to go back to. To the first round of Shane Carwin versus Brock Lesnar, where Shane Carwin, you know, probably uh, in a with a different ref or something, probably would have won that fight. Then Brock comes back to beat him. You've got Brock Lesnar, Randy Couture, but there's not. I mean, there's just a handful of heavyweight fights. They're like, oh my god, that was so great. They're usually those big knockouts, you know, quick knockouts, and you, you don't get a sustained three rounds. Hell, even five rounds of action out of the out of the big guy. So, you know, Mark Hunt. This is a guy between 2006 and 2011. He won zero fights when his when his contract was bought out by the UFC. He was six and six. He, I mean, he, you know, in the real world, he never would have made it to the UFC. It was just part of uh, you know their their expansion where, where they bought up uh, Pride and Strike Force and all that, and he just happened to have some fights left on his contract, and that's when he turned the page. If if people don't remember, Mark Hunt in his UFC debut got knocked out by Sean McCorkle, who's long gone from the UFC. That was his only UFC win. Kind of weird. If you take out the heavyweight division from it, what's what are some of the greatest fights? in the history of the UFC at the very top? I think you're going to look at some of the George St. Pierre fights. Uh, St. Pierre, Matt Hughes, they had a good rivalry going on. Um, it's, I don't know, the, 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 fight, the, the fight that stood the test of time so far, I think, and, and a lot of it, it's not so much the fight itself. When you go back and rewatch the fight over and over, yeah, it's impressive, but it's it's really what it did for the sport. It was uh, Stephen Bonner and Forrest Griffin won. You know, it was the finale of, of uh, the first Ultimate Fighter, and it drew so many people uh, to the sport of mixed martial arts, that, you know, live on Spike TV. And it, it's the fight that people point to as the turning point. They kind of saved the UFC. You know, they, they bankrolled the Ultimate Fighter. It was a time, time buy on Spike TV. TV, you know, they weren't getting paid for it. They dumped millions of dollars into it. And it's what it's what saved the sport at the time. We are the Knockout Hour here on 1450 WXVW. We come to you every Sunday from 9 till 10 a.m. talking all things 
in the world of the fight game, whether it be UFC or local MMA or boxing on the local or, or national or international level. Gary Thomas and I cover it for you. We're going to head to a break. We will be back with more of the Knockout Hour. Meow. Welcome back to the Knockout Hour. Kelly Patrick here alongside Gary Thomas. Talking all things in the world of the fight game. Are are we done talking UFC 179? I mean, I I got to see the main event last night. I was very impressed. I walked away from that event thinking, wow. I asked Gary last week what to look forward to. And he sold me short. I did. You did. I mean, I always say the fights are the fights. The fights deliver. You like just, you like all the UFC action, right? You know, just some are more intriguing or more appealing to the casuals, such as yourself. That's exactly what I'm looking for, and and I feel and I know that a lot of our listeners here on 1450 WXVW are in that boat. So if we're looking forward, you you said that UFC 180, which is still going to be in Mexico, even though Cain Velasquez is no longer on the card. You got a, a Brazilian and a and an Australian in the main event. Man, how how upset are the locals? I feel like they could they could put some like lucha libre in there and it'd be fine. Okay. Like I think they're gonna I think that's gonna be a market where they're gonna turn out for whatever. Well, that's good. If you can expand UFC and the fan support into Mexico, that's got to be huge. Dana White's got to be salivating at the thought of getting Mexico on board the UFC train because uh, Mexico and their support of boxing is just second to none. And it hasn't happened yet with MMA, but you got to think that it's it's somewhat on the horizon. Anything else we, our casual MMA fans have to look forward to coming up in the in the next few weeks or month? Yeah, UFC 181 or UFC 180 that we talked about is going to be in the books. And, you know, it's going to be uh, our friends over the Resurrection Fighting Alliance. They have a show November 7th on Access TV where Luke Sanders, a guy from Nashville MMA, uh, is training out with uh, former lightweight champ Benson Henderson out the lab in Arizona. He's going to take on a top guy up in Colorado. I'm really excited for that event. I think it's you know RFA always puts on a good show, and they you know they like uh, they like us too. They like putting guys, which a lot of their guys are like this show. Obviously, is going to be West Coast and Colorado, so it's a little early for them to get up and talk to us. But the, I, I'm excited for that. Um, Obviously, the main event, uh, Hendricks and Lawler. I mean, what, what are your feelings about? The brawler that is Robbie Lawler is he? Is he? Uh, I know that he's how, only been how back. How can you count him out? I mean, how can you count a guy like that out? Who at one point I, when he was in Strike Force, he was a jobber. You know, he was uh, he was fighting at middleweight, so that was a that was a thing. He's dropped 170, 170 pounds. A lot of people thought he beat Johnny Hendricks in the first fight. You know, and Lawler's been one of those guys. He's been active, like he's not had a break. So, Hendricks is coming off an injury from the last Robbie Lawler fight. I'll be interested to see how that's going to affect, like, his wrestling game because he, he just couldn't take Robbie Lawler down in their last meeting. Uh, you know, Johnny's the champ. Robbie's the number one guy in the division. He proved they beat Matt Brown. Uh, you know, he beat Jake Ellenberger before that. There's no denying that Robbie Lawler is, is the guy. Even though we just saw this fight, you know, several months ago, I, I love a guy like Robbie Lawler. He, he goes in swinging for the fences. He's got bad intentions. 
He's just a good, good guy to watch. And Johnny Hendricks, you know, despite some of his recent outings, he was that guy that was knocking people out left and right, knocked out John Fitch, uh, you know, had a great run up into the fight with George St. Pierre, which he battered George St. Pierre and ended up losing, which Dana White cried out that, you know, it was the biggest robbery in, in UFC history. I, I like the fight. I like that event because you're going to have uh, Anthony Pettis versus Gilbert Melendez, the two coaches on the Ultimate Fighter. If you're missing out on the Ultimate Fighter, Wednesdays on Fox Sports 1, it's pretty good, Kelly Patrick. I'm not going to lie. The all-female thing, it's not as uh, drama-laced as I thought it would be, but there's just enough to keep you like, ah. It's, it's pretty interesting. But you're going to have uh, Pettis and Melendez fight. Pettis is a guy like Cain Velasquez. He doesn't fight much. But when he does, it's always really good. Uh, in heavyweights, my bearded brother, Travis Brown, is going to take on uh, Brendan Schaub. And then the the UFC debut of former female boxing champion, Holly Holm, taking on Raquel Pennington. So, Didn't we see Pennington lose to... to um... What's her name, the, the main girl? Ronda Rousey? Yeah. Didn't we see Pennington fight? No. No, okay. Then we saw Pe- Raquel Pennington did fight the local girl, didn't she? She she fought Jessamyn Duke. Exactly. Okay, that's what uh, it was. In the, in the fight, you know, they won the fight of the year on the Ultimate Fighter 18 on the show. Uh, she defeated Jessamyn there. So she came back and got, uh, got a, a win outside of the, the Ultimate Fighter arena. I think it'll be a good test for, for Holly Holm, but Holly Holm is a destroyer. Make no mistake about that. She's been fighting. You know, she fought for Bellator. She fought for Legacy. She she wasn't fighting that the UFC caliber of opponents, but she had no problem beating whoever they put in front of her. Boxing, it seems, if you're a boxer, a male boxer, there's no reason to stray away from being in boxing. The purses are so high, right, Gary? I mean, why why would you switch over when I wouldn't? I, I certainly wouldn't. But if you're a female, like Holly Holmes, and there isn't much of a market out there right now for female boxing, eh, you might as well switch over, and that's what we've seen Holly Holmes do. So she's making the transition into MMA and doing it very well. Is she the next big star? Are we going to see her fighting Ronda Rousey? Oh, I think so. I think that'll be the plan after a couple fights. You know, she was the WBF light welterweight championship light welterweight champion 2012 female fire of the year she's involved in the 2012 female fight of the year against uh, ann mathis back in 2012 the wban welterweight champ the junior welterweight champ the junior middleweight champ uh you know her boxing days date back to like 2005 you know when she upset christy martin that's right so she's a she definitely had. She already has put to bed one career that she, had, you know, she was thirty three and or I'm sorry, thirty eight and two as a boxer, which is just crazy at that number of fights. But she she brings that striking aspect. She's got great kicks. She trains out Jackson Winklejohn with the you know John Jones, uh, a lot of the champs out there. It's gonna be interesting to see if when she does fight. Uh, Ronda Rousey, which Ronda Rousey's got a huge fight January 3rd, you know, against Kat Zingano. And the same card as as uh, Silva, right? Yeah. So you got Diaz, Silva, Rousey, Zingano. It's going to be huge. I mean, they always like to do something huge for the New Year's card, which this will actually be after New Year's, but it'll still be that weekend. New Year's falls like middle of the week, which is weird. But yeah, you know, there's some still some big fights in the UFC to talk about. But uh, but last night, man, I got to go back down to Corbin, Kentucky for Warrior FC. Jimbo Collins, uh, you know, one of the Godfathers of Kentucky MMA, and put on a good show, man, of good night of fights. Uh, not many stinkers on the card. It was uh, it was good. Good night. We saw our man Michael Cockerham and Jerry Burns fight. How did that go? Split deci- Cockerham lost a split decision. Here's the problem, uh, which I scored it for Cockerham. 
Uh, I was the split. But the way I saw it was, you know, the first round was, was Cockram. I think we all scored the first round for Cockram. Second round, I think we all scored it for Burns. And the third round was there wasn't a lot of action. And Burns kind of turned it on with about a minute to go, but I didn't think that justified him winning the whole round. Uh, but he was, you know, at least 30 pounds heavier than Michael Cockram. Cockram weighed in less than what a, a light heavyweight would have fought at. So he was, uh, he had to, you know, when Burns was able to get on top of him, Cockram was just kind of stuck. He didn't take a lot of damage, but he was just stuck. And I can, I mean, I can see where the judges thought, thought that would, 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 uh, give him the round, but it was a good fight. They're, they're one and one now. I'm sure that we'll see another, uh, a third fight out of the way, but there's this fight, man, early in the night, Marco Hopkins, who's who was a guy that fought back in the day for Jimbo. He fought a guy named Timmy Engel. And Hopkins wore Timmy Engel out in the first round. Engel was bleeding. He was battered. Uh, he really had nothing for Hopkins. I mean, Hopkins was very fast on the feet, was, was unloading punches. Second round, Engel flipped the script and just worked Hopkins, uh, transitioned to an arm bar and submitted him in like a, a huge comeback, you know, it was, uh, you know, granted it was only one round, a very one-sided round, but then the second round, Ingle came back and kind of shocked the crowd. There was a, a large contingent of Harlan County fans there, and Ingle ended up taking home a lot of hardware for the night. I got to pick the the awards for the night. You know, obviously that was five of the night. Then Ingle got submission of the night, and then uh, Jim O'Collins awarded Ingle Fighter of the night. So he got all kinds of hardware. I got to induct the 2014 Warrior Hall of Fame. That's right. Now, that, that's well, I've been hearing yeah. about that for about a year, haven't I? Uh, I don't, I'm, exa- I'm exaggerating. Half a year? That's a big yeah. deal in the state of Kentucky in the MMA community, isn't it? These were guys that uh, helped put MMA on the map back when it was... I'm not going to say the dark ages, but back when it was, you know, a lot different than what it is now. Uh, Warrior FC was, was I've got Jimbo's book, and if, if it's available, I'm, I'm not sure if it's available. So hit him up on Facebook. If he's got any books left, buy them off of him. The Rise and Fall of Warrior FC. And this promotion started off as like, under the format of, you remember the, the Tough Man contest where it would be like two night events? Yeah. That's how Warrior FC started off. Not as tough, man. It's actually MMA. What year was this? Around what years did this this um, emergence of the original Warrior FC? When, when did that go down? I want to say 2006. Okay, was the first event. So you had that, and you know he was packing out armies for two nights in a row. This was way before any commission or anything like that. And you you had your people in the part of the state that that they're from there's not a lot to do right it's not like going to louisville where there's a plethora of of stuff for you to get into on a friday and saturday night this was the attraction this is what you brought the family out of the holler to go see and 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 reading the book which i mean you 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 want to have some kind of understanding of the content that you're digesting there but like i can I, i could put myself in the seat back in those days and imagine what that's like. And, uh, uh, you know, he had Tito Ortiz, Jenna Jameson, Chris Lieben. You know, he he brought in a lot of people to come to his show. You say Chris Weedman? Lieben. Lieben, okay. Yeah. So he, But he had a bunch of big names at the shows. Absolutely. And, wow. You know, uh, made just a ton of money. And then when it, when MMA started to get saturated and, and such, it's when you know he he had a harder time. And then I think 2010 was his last show. Brought it back earlier this year. Went back to Corbin to a huge crowd, which surprised me to be honest. I wasn't expecting the turnout that was there. And then last night I had a good crowd. Uh, we had ten fights and and you know a lot of he brought back a lot of the old names: Jerry Burns, Marco Hopkins. Uh, Brandon Bell was on the card in the main event defending his middleweight title fight, which Brandon Bell has got just phenomenal wrestling. 
and used it to his advantage last night. But you know, it. I the nostalgia for me, like I love learning about the old stuff, right? You know, like you want to know where the roots and where things came from. Sure. But no doubt that like Jimbo was is that storied promotion. Like one of the one of the reasons Kentucky MMA is what it is right now is because of Jimbo Collins. How was the turnout for the event last night? It was great, you know. Um, I think the the UK game probably hurt the start of it. It was still going on when the event started. The event started a little early, but uh, but yeah, by the end of the night it was packed. Um, there's a, a contingent of like Harlan County folks were there. There's some some folks from Tennessee. You know, obviously you had your Southern Kentucky uh, contingent. You know, it was great. During the uh, John Cook Brandon Bell fight, it was loud. I mean, it was really loud as compared to the Jerry Burns Michael Cochran fight, which was. I'm sorry, Gary. Are you there? We'll get Gary Thomas back on the line with us here shortly. We are the Knockout Hour coming at you every Sunday from nine till ten a.m. here on fourteen fifty WXVW. Gary, are you back with us? Yeah, I never left. You never left. Great. That's what I like. I just kept hear. talking. You I just kept talking. You were saying that the Cockerham fight was, I assume, the main event. No, it was the co-main event. Co-main event. Okay. So it was a great event last night in Corbin for Warrior FC. Great stuff there. Over the next month, you said we're looking forward to UFC 181 on the, the national and international level. Uh, 181, which is December 6th. In Nevada, uh, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, in the world of boxing, in November, the main couple fights that we have is Bernard Hopkins fighting November 8th in, what is that, Brooklyn. And um, also, November 22nd, we have Manny Pacquiao's next fight against Chris Algieri. So that's in China. Couple. Doesn't Timothy Bradley fight the same night, though? I don't have the Timothy Bradley does. Let's see. Here. Let me see. Off the top I don't of think my he head. does. I don't show that he does. He may have been scheduled to. I don't. Let's see here. But Chris Algieri, known for beating Ruslan Provodnikov, is going to possibly bring a good fight to Manny Pacquiao. A lot to look forward to with that. Obviously, everybody in the back of their mind wants to see Pacquiao against Floyd. And no matter how much we try to shy away from that, that's still relevant out there. Will Pacquiao be able to continue his, I'll say, re-emergence after not only losing to Timothy Bradley via that horrible decision, but getting knocked out by Juan Manuel Marquez. Pacquiao is on a run now where he seems like he's truly back. Uh, Will we get to see him continue that streak and pose a legitimate threat to Floyd Mayweather, maybe in 2015 or 2016? We will see. Bernard Hopkins, November 8th. We got that to look forward to. That's for free. Or if you have a show, to, uh, I'm sorry, an HBO subscription, you get to see that one. Sergey Sergey Kovalov, certainly a, a very formidable opponent in the light heavyweight division, will be the, the definitive favorite against the legendary Bernard Hopkins, the executioner. So Saturday, November 8th, I'll have to record it because I'll be at the event here in Shepherdsville, the Hard Rock event. Gary. What? What? Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a huge event uh, in our local calendar. Kelly Patrick is pretty nonstop from at least for me. They started with last night in, in Corbin. I'm gonna be in Pigeon Forge next weekend, Shepherdsville, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, either Prestonsburg or uh, Florence the next week. It just it, like it, there's no sign of letting up. Good stuff. So we got a very action-packed November. Next big event on the UFC calendar is December 6th, UFC 181. But plenty of action here on the local level throughout the month of November. Um, what else do we have to look forward to, Gary? Anything next weekend? Next weekend, I'm going to be in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, baby. What? What? Valor fights. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Tim Loys is a guy down there. Who is like he's like the Hard Rock of uh, Tennessee? Does a great job. They're doing an all pro card right there in Pigeon Forge. Wow, you gonna wear a Halloween costume? It's gonna be November, man. It's uh, 
it's after after the fact after Halloween. Okay. They normally do double headers. They'll do kickboxing shows on Friday, but they didn't do that this time because of Halloween. Which is probably smart. How far of a drive is that for you, Gary? Like three and a half hours. But it's Pigeon Forge, man. It's like the vacation. It's the hillbilly vacation capital of the world. Really? Have you ever been there, there in Gatlinburg? Oh, I've been to Gatlinburg. Maybe I've been to Pigeon Forge. Well, if you've been to Gatlinburg, you had to go through Pigeon Forge. Okay. Well, then I've been Pigeon there. Forge, Pigeon Forge is the little town before you get to Gatlinburg. It's got all the Ferris wheels and the pancake places and... It's like literally ten minutes. You know, there's just uh, the like the national park that separate the two. It's good stuff. Okay. What about real quick? Uh, you know, last week we talked about Kennedy Golovkin. He signs for a big fight, which I think's a big fight. The guy he's fighting, uh, you know, is a top ranked guy in uh, Martin Murray. They're yeah. gonna fight Monte Carlo on February twenty first. Murray's twenty eight and one. He lost to Sergio Martinez. But, yeah, Martin Murray is a step up in competition, no question about it, for Golovkin, as we have the main story in the world of boxing right now has to be Cotto versus Alvarez. That's what's coming up next. And then will the winner of that take on Golovkin? In the meantime, we get Golovkin stepping up his competition with Martin Murray. You're right. In Monte Carlo. So I'm looking across Martin Murray's record. That sounds fancy. That does. Where is Monte Carlo? I don't know, Europe. But looking across Martin Murray's record, the last I had heard of him was him losing to Sergio Martinez, and that was April of 2013. He's fought four times since then, and he's got to be considered a formidable opponent. In the middleweight division, that's the only time he's lost was to Martinez, who at the time was the clear-cut number one middleweight in the world. I don't think Golovkin will have any trouble with him at all. Do you foresee any any trouble out of no. this? But it is substantial I, that he's stepping up his competition. Murray's not that guy that's going to come in and like counter the power of Golovkin. He just doesn't have it. You know, in, in thirty one fights, he's only had, he has twelve knockouts compared to the thirty one fights of Golovkin, twenty eight knockouts. Now that's. Obviously, he has that power, but he doesn't have it. You know, it's easy to rack up those knockouts early in your career for a guy like Murray, where Golovkin's consistently doing it in the in the prime of his career, or what what's probably the prime of his career. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how if 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 Murray can go four rounds with with Golovkin. That's that's the, that's, the qu- that's what I'm saying. Four rounds will be the test. That's the over under four rounds. Yeah. Then, then it should be interesting. And it may, if he goes past four rounds, that may be a good sign for Golovkin, as we haven't seen a ton of defense other than, other than Golovkin's extremely heavy hands being the, his primary source of defense, which, don't get me wrong, Gary, I think is a great defense. Um, we haven't seen Golovkin or Triple G have to go very late in fights, similar to Deontay Wilder. We just don't see it, and this might be present a an issue for him. I don't know that it will, though, to be honest. But I, don't think so. I, I would think it's a tune-up fight for Golovkin. It's funny, I click on Golovkin's Wikipedia page, and he just looks like he's getting ready to read a children's book or something, his picture. <laughs> Is he wearing a bow tie? He might as well be. He's wearing a, a really nice long sleeve shirt and just sitting there almost like he's praying, but... This is pretty much a tune-up fight, in my opinion, for the possibility that we'll see Golovkin against Cotto or Saul Alvarez. America loves Cotto. Mexico loves Saul Alvarez. And they'll sell a ton of tickets no matter who wins that. Will either of them get to see that fight happen? Will, you know, will we get to see Golovkin fight one of those guys? I sure hope so. I think that would be a great pay-per-view main event. What do you think? Uh, hope's a, a strong word there. We know how boxing and the politics of it go. Would it be something you would see immediately? I think not. I think, you know, if whoever wins Cotto and uh, Alvarez, the, they will probably get a step down in there. You know, they'll probably get like a, a I think you call it a tune-up fight. They'll get something in the middle to guarantee some money. and Because it's risky. A fight with Kennedy Glover is risky. 
I don't think I don't think he's the one that has much to lose either because he's not he's making great money, but he's not in that superstar multi million dollar range yet. I think a fight with Saul Alvarez or Miguel Cotto would demand a multi million dollar paycheck. At oh, least I would think. No question about it. In my opinion, maybe the most sought after fight in the entire sport of boxing right now. Absolutely, right now, for sure. Is that surpassed uh, Pacquiao and Floyd? Has everybody forgot about that? Yeah, we forgot about that in 2010, yep, 2008. That's you know, fair. That's, uh, which, did you see Stephen A. Smith? He was going to call out Floyd if he doesn't fight Pacquiao next. Yeah, I, I love when ESPN and First Take and all that, they, they, they cover boxing. It's for, for four minutes at a time. Yeah, I hate to sound snooty, and I'm not trying to come across like that, but they, it, it's, it's a pretty low level. But it's good. I do like to see when they cover it. Did you ever see the clip of Raphael just telling Skip Bayless off? No. No, he just let him have it. They both work full-time or employees of ESPN, but Bayless has, you can say, misspoken when it comes to boxing quite a Skip's few times. Skip's awful. He, but he's, you say he's awful, but he, he drives ratings. People love to hate that guy. And boxing fans, who are some of the most hateful or whatever you call it, passionate people out there, just <laughs> have just really jumped aboard the we hate Skip Bayless bandwagon. And Dan Raphael did not disappoint when they had him on his show. I got to find that clip. I'll send it to you. It's been a great. Oh, That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's been a great knockout hour. We appreciate everybody tuning in here on 1450WXVW. Be sure to tune in next Sunday from 9 till 10 for more of the knockout hour. Meow.